Hound. Welcome to episode 23 of Things That Go Bump in the Night. Once again, joined by my co-host, Chris. How are you doing, buddy? Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought I'd, I'd you know, try and bring an air no, of sophistication. That. Yeah, that, that, was, that was very sophisticated. Actually, it was like um... a good horror audio book. <laughs> that, you know, it was like the start of one of those. I like it, it began when they listened to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I could do with your advice. I'm looking okay. to plug a gap in my horror repertoire, Ooh. and I want to know if it's worth it. And I was going to watch it tonight. The Taking of Deborah Logan. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's very, very much worth it. Yeah. Do you think I'd like it? Yeah, I think you would. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it's a nice twist on possession. Um, there's, there's a bit more to do with it than that. And there's some great, there's one great scene in particular you probably have already seen because it, it done the rounds everywhere. But it's um, when you see it in the context of the film, yeah, it's really great the way it, it comes about. Is some really the, great stuff, the, really creepy performance as well. Is that the, the snake jaw? Yes. Scene? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that was. That was shown very early on, wasn't it? I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. to be fair, it's probably what got all the attention as well. So, yeah, I think yeah, um, definitely I think I'll give that a whirl tonight. Um, yeah, definitely watch it, man. I don't know why they for the English release, they changed the title to The Taking, mm. which is why get rid of The Taking of Deborah Logan? That just sounds so much better to me. You know, is that so? Sorry, say that again. So in the English title is The Taking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the taking of Deborah Logan, it was originally released as. I think it had a brief theatre run as the taking of Deborah Logan, but when it was released on uh, VOD and stuff like that, yeah. Now it's just the taking. So if you, which you probably are, are going to watch it on Amazon Prime, you will notice that it is titled just the taking, which I don't know why people do that. I don't know why they do it full stop. I was remember I was looking for another film. You know. I wouldn't say it's horror, but it's got some scary moments. Is the Heath Ledger Sin Eater? Yes, yeah. Uh, and that changed that changed title to something really bizarre. It was uh, I can't remember. Well, let me just have a quick yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. The Sin Eater, and it's like nothing you'd expect. The Order. That's it. Oh, okay. I yeah, mean, completely different. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Distri- I mean, distributors. I do know why they do it. They they do it because of, you know. Some titles they believe are easier and they they grab an audience and sell a DVD quicker. But a good, unique title, I think, will always stand out above, mm. you know, just the generic crap you see all the time. And But then that's the same with poster art, right? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I put yeah. a tweet out a few weeks ago about um, there, were, there were three films released, you know, very close together. And the poster art was all the same. It, it was all the same. And it was all, like, changed from like really cool original poster art but apparently the distributors do it because people just buy what they know and they they buy the same thing all the time apparently Mm. so Mm. yeah it's quite frustrating when they do that but um yeah when you look for it tonight look for the taking but yeah it's a very good film regardless of that uh title change but yeah you you will enjoy it sir you all right well well, well, mrs s likes it she doesn't like horror films I think there's, do you know what? I think there's enough in there. I think there's enough in there for her to really grab onto it. I mean, she I says she it... doesn't like horror films, but she's really enjoyed things like Becky and Come to Daddy. 
Oh, it's not like that. It's not like no, no, they've no, no, got no. like a that's, comedy that's, slant. That's yeah, the this kind of not, thing that yeah. she. Um, oh yeah, yeah, they're great. I don't think she really likes any kind of possession. Kind of, kind oh, she of might film. be in for a treat then. Yeah. I know there the last, was a little bit more to it than just... The last film she really, really hated, the last horror film, was uh, Midsummer. Oh, okay. Interesting. I can remember um, that. We, we, we saw it in the cinema the day it released. Yeah. Those were the days. And um, it was in the middle of the day because it was the only time we didn't have the kids. And, um, you know, I've said before, I don't think it's as good as um, Hereditary. Yeah. You know, but de- de- decent film. And it was quite empty. There was not a lot of people in there. There was loads of blokes on their own in there. And then there's me and my wife sitting there. <laughs> and I, I could tell all the way through she didn't like it. And then we've come out and like people had like chatted about it. She just walked out and gone, well, that was shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like really loud, just in front of everyone. <laughs> I, was like, I said, don't embarrass me in front of the film nerds. <laughs> <laughs> God, that is that is harsh. <laughs> yeah. I, I certainly wouldn't say that. Yeah. But oh, there we go. Right, let's jump into some news, and yeah, we need to kick off with this because I am really excited for this. I want to know your thoughts on it. So the full official trailer has dropped for Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, which is coming to Netflix. And as everyone is saying, as the article I sent you starts, very simply, two words: zombie <laughs> tiger. Dude, that's th- crossed the line. <laughs> what do you think of this? Right, honestly, I was when I was reading it. Uh, funnily enough, we've got two news items today featuring wrestlers. But yeah, when I was reading this, I, I was reading it and thinking, nah, this doesn't sound like my cup of tea. Right, and then okay. I thought, well, you know, reading it, seeing the trailer, it will, will be better. Give you know, so I started watching the trailer and I thought, no, nope, I don't really don't like the look of this. I don't. You know, just right. okay. like, a, like a crime heist. Don't really like it. And, okay, uh, okay. When then the zombies come in, and I thought, nope, still not doing it for me. But then, when you see the so-called, the first alpha zombie, yeah. the woman in her, like, makeshift apocalyptic crown, I thought, wow. Really, yeah. you know, yeah, it's actually offering something a little bit different. I'm not saying it's never been done before. You know, you've had more intelligent zombies before, but... You know, having an actual hierarchy, I thought they're doing something different, and they're doing it in a way that's kind of, you know, you can see they've they've evolved a bit. They've got the beginnings of like an organised yeah. uh, society, not society is the wrong word, but you know, an organised structure. I thought, yeah, I, 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 I'll watch this, but you know, honestly, I had extreme reservations uh, before, but it's purely for me, it's purely that aspect that's piqued my interest in it. This so they released a teaser trailer for this a little while ago, and I've been up and down this because the first time I was aware of Zack Snyder, I think the first time a lot of people were aware of him was his remake of Dawn of the Dead, yeah, which I thought was fantastic. That was quite a while ago now, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, like 15 years or something ago, yeah, it was like a long, long time ago. Isn't that the one where the guy, one of the zombies, does get a bit more intelligence? Just one I of can't them. really sure remember. He starts really like remember. I might be. Th- I might be thinking of the wrong film, but I'm sure. Oh no, it's that you're one. thinking of Land of the Dead. I'm thinking of Land of the Dead. Yeah, yeah that that was one of uh, Romario's last, wasn't it? That was his. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was his last. That was like his really big budget zombie yeah. film. 
Just yeah. Nick, that, I think Nick good. Frost and Simon Pegg had a small Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was good. But Zack Snyder's Dawn, I really liked it. I really liked I think that was, I could be wrong on this, but I think that was the first time the like fast running zombies were introduced and like that fucking blew people's minds, mine included. And if it wasn't the first time it was done, it was definitely the first time I had seen it. And uh, I think a lot of people. So based on that, knowing Zack Snyder was going back to that, especially after all the trouble we had with with Justice League and and the personal um, issues he had faced and his wife had Mm -hmm, faced. mm -hmm. I yeah great right they're they're going back they're they're doing where it kind of all started for them really so I was excited that then they released a teaser trailer okay not in love with it looks all right but it's just teaser trailer whatever and then I see this trailer and dude this does work for me on every level I I really like the idea I, I know you've just said you don't but I really like the idea of the heist film. I'm a bit a bit of a sucker for like the oceans films and you know any kind of like heist film or like bank robbery setup type thing. So I'm a bit of a sucker for that. And I like the idea that essentially, when you think about it, this is an oceans film set in Las Vegas about stealing money from a from a big vault, right? Mm-hmm. But it's zombies. Like it's as simple as simple as you get. I really like the look of it. I like the opening cinematography where Dave Batista's working in the diner. I like the what didn't set me alight about the teaser trailer was I thought it was a little bit like Zack Snyder's stuff is very reliant on CGI. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, I, I don't know. But when you see the opening of this, you're like, oh, no, it's quite, you know, grounded and there isn't. Yeah a lot of CGI in the opening scenes and stuff like that. Obviously, you get the big cityscapes on fire and stuff like that, the CGI at the end. But that, that's fine. That's that's to be expected. But then, yeah, I like the the group of people that are together. I like, like you said, the reveal shots, right? You've got two big reveal shots in this. You've got the reveal shot of the queen character, I guess we could call her, which I think her outfit is a showgirl's outfit, right? I think actually, it, yeah, 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 and you I mean, know, I assumed it was something she'd found and had taken. So, no, you could, you could be right there. Yeah, see, it could be that as well because it's got like spikes on it and stuff, and I don't know if showgirls would have that. But I do think it's a showgirl. And then when you see her um, with the guy, where there's loads of them, and then like she's with a guy and kissing the guy, I believe he is a David Copperfield. A, he's <laughs> David Copperfield. Yeah, he's Chris Angel. <laughs> no, he is um, a Roman god from Caesar's Palace. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. so I like, and then obviously you get the Elvis shot like later on, and then you get if the that's, type, If that's right? true, I hope they don't overdo that, and I hope they just leave that in as like little nuggets. Yeah, you could yeah, find yeah, it, see yeah. them. Yeah, don't even explain it. Uh, you just you just know it, right? Yeah. You just you see it, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah I I get it. But yeah, the I really like the reveal shot of her. I love shots like that. I absolutely adore shots like that. They're like that out of focus. Yeah. That, that was the, the bit that, that drew yeah. me in. Yeah. And it's funny you saying right. about you know the heist aspect. When I was reading, when I was reading it before I saw the trailer, that was the bit that I thought I would like because I thought, man, you know, zombies are everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't really offer anything new apart from you know a mashup of two genres. 
and I, that was the bit I was expecting to like. And when I saw the when I saw the uh, the trailer, I thought this isn't isn't clicking with me. And I know you said you like the group of people, but some of it was just jarring me that it okay. was just really obviously trying to tick certain stereotypical boxes oh, like the, yeah. the German guy who's the the safe cracker obviously he's got to be the quirky one with his headphones around his neck and I just thought you know he's dressed up in like all but wearing a bow tie and I just thought yeah, yeah. Try, I just felt like they were trying a bit hard too hard yeah I, I can see that I can get on board with that for me it was I looked at it more as they were like playing into that stereotype of the again the oceans films right it's like okay what if we were making oh, yeah, yeah. one of those films but you know was the the zombie apocalypse so to me it was playing into that but yeah i i can see where you're coming from i definitely can see where you're coming from i mean to be fair he was the only one who stood out for me <laughs> yeah stood out yeah, for yeah. That kind of thing. everyone else to me looked like a convincing group that would be working together do you know what i mean but he just really yeah stood out i mean for christ's sake give him a black t-shirt like everyone else <laughs> yeah yeah you know if he ain't got the mu- the muscles to be shirtless at least give him dark colors like the rest of them yeah so come on let's talk about the shot that everyone's talking about the zombie tiger D- was you aware of that before no. you saw the trailer no. no i wasn't i wasn't how did you feel when that happened I it, it reminds me of my cat Lucifer for a start, <laughs> um, and like 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 you've been noticing, I'm assuming it's one of the white tigers from uh, Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think it's good. I think you know you don't really see a lot of animals. In, you do see it occasionally, um, but I like how you know you've got this rudimentary society, and you know maybe they've got some guard animals maybe they've yeah. got some hunter yeah. i mean you saw one zombie on a horse i thought that yes. was quite a good yeah. shot yeah i um, like that i really like that yeah that yeah, reminded no, I'm all me for it. I'm all for it. i mean white walkers in game of thrones yeah where they've got their like zombie horses yeah i thought it was a little bit like that yeah it's cool i mean if you know if you're gonna have zombie animals then you have some fucking aggressive animals yeah know? i i, I really didn't want to see like a that. zombie squirrels <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I really liked it. It really worked for me. It was that was the moment where I was really, really sold because I was like, oh, okay, it's fun. It's really fun. Like he is going to throw some shit in this that like you are going to holler at the screen at, you know, like that just worked for me. The zombie tiger thing, the the cut to the line afterwards, you know, it it was great, man. And yeah, apparently you know, he has gone on record to say, you know, zombie animals were always a part of this. The only animal that is immune are birds, apparently. So mm. um no zombie birds. But yeah, we've <laughs> seen the horse. I guess that's a zombie horse. We we've definitely seen the zombie tiger. I think we're gonna see some other stuff. Yeah, I reckon there's gonna be a few uh zombie animals running up and down the strip. Man, I yeah, this is sold me. The only kind of weird caveat i have against this is this looks like a really fun film to watch with an audience of people and on a big screen and it is just going straight to netflix which yes it's weird and you know i i sound really old saying this but this is the type of film where i'm like oh maybe you should see this in a cinema i i don't know it's i wonder if there's a way that we and a few others could kind of like sync it and like we're all on 
Zoom or something, but we sync it so we all press play at the same time. Oh, that would be cool. That would be, be cool. Good. Yeah, we should do it. Yeah. Well, just get like, just do a. I like the idea of I've seen, um, you know, with the world opening back up and stuff like that. And from next month, cinemas reopen and stuff. Obviously, there's a lot of um, small screens and private cinemas and stuff that have lost a lot of business. And uh, I've seen a few things pop up about people basically renting out you know them screens for a couple of hours to do a netflix film or whatever right it's a private event you can mm, show it yeah it's not a public thing so i like the idea of that i, I think that would be um quite interesting we'll have to see what we can do but yeah dude this this looks a bunch of fun and yeah i i can't i can't wait I can't awesome wait. all right dude moving on from one zombie film onto the creator of possibly the biggest zombie franchise ever. Robert Kirkman, the creator of The Walking Dead. Uh, this news actually dropped a few years ago, but it, it's reared its head again, and I'm quite excited for it. So he is working with Universal on a kind of a Dracula film, but it's mm. all centered around, and, and it's the story of Renfield, which is, you know, Dracula's yep. uh, little minion, if you will. He's yep. a henchman. If you have listened to the classic horror podcast episode on Dracula, you will know that I made no mistake that I absolutely adore Renfield. I am not, out of all the Universal Monster films, I am not a huge fan of that film, uh, surprisingly, but I am a massive, massive, massive fan of Renfield. So the idea of mm. that character getting its own spin-off, Robert Kirkman involved, Chris McKay involved, yeah, I... I'm quite excited about this. So what do you think, dude? What's your relationship with... Obviously, you're a massive Walking Dead fan. So Robert Kirkman, I know that excites you. But what about Dracula in general? I'm not really I'm a sure. Massive, uh, I'm a, a massive Dracula fan, as, you know, a lot of people are. But, I mean, Dracula as a novel is one of my favourites. And yeah. the, I, I know quite intimately. Big fan of, of Renfield as well as, as a character. And I've seen him uh, in different films. Sometimes he's, you know, quite a sympathetic character other times he has actually been turned yep. um so you know they, they can play around with it all, all all different ways but i have reservations here um, okay the first thing <laughs> that annoyed me was when it said i was reading it said the character is memorably played and i thought yeah memorably played by tom waits in 1992 <laughs> that's that's what i want i know remfield from but the, the reservations <laughs> i have is the guy who writes for rick and morty has written the script yeah and chris mckay the director of the lego batman movie yeah this rings alarm bells for me in terms okay. of a kind of presumably a, a horror film series whatever it is yeah i i see where you're coming from with that because obviously you know rick and Morty in the lego batman movie it doesn't are... mean it's, it's going to be that way i mean there's plenty of no it doesn't of done. course it doesn't comedy things and then made a transition over and done phenomenally well but it's just it's, it's it just sticks out to me it's you an know interesting i wouldn't choice and it, it is an interesting choice it is an interesting choice i mean uh, ryan ridley i mean i don't know how involved he is with rick and morty episode by episode because obviously yeah. cartoon series have loads of writers of course um yeah. but the writing in rick and morty is very very intelligent you know i love the, yeah it is the yeah. logic to rick sanchez and his kind of pessimism about everything i, I love that and i love yeah. the science they bring into it so whoever's writing rick and morty is very clever 
and it's also very funny. The Lego movie is very funny, but I don't want to see a funny Renfield. So that and I'm not saying no, it I is, but that's yeah. that's where if you look at the history of those guys, that's where what I don't even know the history, if it, what they're choosing to promote about them. You know that that just jars a bit with me. There is, if I if I can play devil's advocate for a minute, there is something comical about Renfield. Though, if you are going back to the the portrayal they reference with the White Fry, the absolutely mesmerising, a brilliant the White Fry from nineteen thirty one Dracula. I mean, you you know, again, if you've listened to that podcast, you know what a massive fan of the White Fry I am. In my opinion, it is the best performance I've ever seen of Renfield. But there is something a little bit comedic about it, as there was, uh, you know, in all those Universal Monster films, mm. there is a little bit of a, com- a comedic undertone to some of those characters. You know, there's Renfield in Dracula and a couple of the characters in Bride of Frankenstein, the Invisible Man, you know, stuff like that. You've always got a character that's a little bit. The difference is it's never really the main character, right? So, yeah, how do you bring that? if they are leaning into a little bit of that comedy edge, you know, which is a darker comedy. It isn't, you know, slapstick. It is a darker comedy, but that's in, that is interesting to me. How do you lean into that as your main character? Because really you want this film to be quite dark, right? Mm. Like I can't really see how you do it without being dark. And then the, you know, spinning off from that, the question I will ask you, how do you, do you tell this story with Dracula as a side character, or do you somehow leave Dracula out of it completely? Yeah, I mean, but what... the thing is, you could have two things, couldn't you? It could be like, well, three things. It could be before, completely before Dracula, yeah. leading up to him meeting him. It could be talk about how he was seduced by Dracula and turned, or it could yeah. be post-Dracula, you know, as if he wasn't in the asylum. I don't think it's going to be pre leading up to because Robert Kirkman's obviously known for a very supernatural series. Um, so I can't imagine he's going to want to work on something that doesn't have some sort of yeah, I agree. Mon- yeah. monster of some description. So I, I do wonder if it's going to be uh, the seduction of him set in a modern time, how this guy, a very uh, s- serious uh, solicitor, is, is seduced by this guy. Uh, to become his slave, essentially. Uh, and, I, yeah. and I wonder if it's yeah. going to be that. The danger there is, you know, obviously Dracula is such a domineering, well-known character. Yeah. How do you stop the interest moving to him? That would be the difficulty, if it is that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It. I think there's a few interesting angles they could take. Mm. You know, I could even see him telling a very dark like love story between them. Cause that's something like we've never really got with Dracula too much is like, he's the master of like seduction. Right. Mm. And we always see that portrayed with women, but not really the male side of it. Yeah. I mean, maybe he falls in love with one of the brides of Dracula and they try and escape yeah. together. And, you know, yeah, I, I am interested to see where this goes. I think like everyone involved, like you said, you know, Maybe a bit of a odd choice. Ryan Ridley, you know, Rick and Morty is decent, very, decent very well people. Right. Very, you know, yes. I love their work. Yes. And Chris McKay, you know, yeah, again, you know, the Lego Batman. But 
the Lego Batman movie is fantastic. <laughs> like it's, exactly. it's, it's really, great. really good. And in terms of this is I tell you, this is what I end on. The adaption of the dark Batman character into the Lego Batman movie and where they play with that is very fun. And I do really like it. Now I'm not saying I want the exact same transition with the Renfield character. But in terms of like Chris McKay's understanding of the legend and the lore and the myth that comes with a certain character mm. and being able to play with that, I think he's definitely proven himself that he can do that. So, yeah, I'd be very interested to see where this goes. And again, you know, that's not even mentioning Robert Kirkman, who he's done outstanding work legendary with. yeah yeah of course yeah i mean you know not just the walking dead like you just look at his comic work in general great stuff really really great stuff yeah dude we, we'll leave that one there put a pin in it and uh hopefully come back to it like i said it's kind of been around for a couple of years now so i'm hoping mm. now that it's come back up it's gonna uh you know start moving forward I, i'd be very interested to see if it does all right dude moving on to so this is a bit of a weird topic for the podcast. We we don't really we've kind of touched on distribution a little bit before, but yeah, I really really want to bring this up because this could be the future of not just art, uh, sorry, not just filmmaking, but art in general. So Kevin Smith has made a new horror movie called Kilroy Was Here. And he has made the decision to sell the entire film, the master of the film and the distribution rights of the film, everything, absolutely everything that is within this film, for full ownership as an NFT. Now, before I sent you this, were you aware of what an NFT was? I, I was, yeah, but only fairly recently because there seems to be an explosion of it around yes. like digital art lately. Yes, yeah. So do you want to, very briefly, let's touch on that. So do you just want to touch on your understanding of NFT and, you know, just so the the boys and girls out there listening can have an idea if they don't know what an NFT is? Yeah, my, my understanding is that, well, apparently now you can apply it to, to any digital means, yeah. but in terms of art, based on the technology of cryptocurrency it's yep. the idea that you sell the rights to a, a digital painting by you send someone a, a token a code if you like that proves their ownership and the code can be sent on and on so you form a chain of you can see ownership all the way back to the original person so if you're selling digital art um you know in t 40 years time when an artist has died you can trace back this is actually the one I, I still, you know, I, I understand the concept, but practically how that works, I find difficult. If you're selling, you know, someone says, okay, here's, here's a picture of this digital art that was sold. Well, now I've got it as well. Do, do, I, I mean, I, I know I don't own it and yet I've got it. I can still see it. I can see it anytime I like, because you've shown a picture of this record breaking 20 million piece that was sold or do, do, yeah. do you know what I mean? So it's, I think it's interesting. I think it's exciting as a concept, but I think it's very early days. Oh, it's very I, early days. Yeah. I think yeah. the boom in it will subside. I think it's a bit like, you know, when 3D TV came out, you know, it's great in concept, but it never really took. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I wonder if this may be a bit too early uh, for this to be happening. But what, what I would say is 
good on Kevin Smith for dipping his toe in this because as far as I'm aware, he's the first person to actually do this for a film. Yeah, I believe he is. And it doesn't surprise me. I I should just state that NFT stands for non-fungible token. Before before I get on to Kevin Smith, so, so let me touch on the NFT thing a little bit and what I think of it. So, yeah, a few months ago when this really started blowing up because there was a lot of people, like you said, selling digital art. Um, and for record-breaking feats, you know, in mm. the millions, uh, the uh, artist Grimes, you know, she sells a lot of art like this. Um, Lindsay Lohan done some stuff for charity, you know, and, and so on. And it's all around ownership. It's some people reveal what you're going to get. Grimes, I don't think, does. I don't think she reveals, like, I don't think she shows images of her art. I think she she releases it in collections. So she's like, this is the collection, and there's 10 pieces and go you can you know it starts off at the cheapest and then to the most expensive bit of art and then you own that my understanding of nfts is it all started in the music space the people that made this made it as a way of giving real ownership back to artists where they could produce an album and then sell it directly onto fans i believe kings of leon just released their latest album this way where you can still go and get it normally. I'm sure you could mm. find their album on Spotify or whatever, but then there's like limited edition stuff. So there might be an extra song in there or an extra, um, you know, at, like artwork or whatever it is. And in some cases, the only way to experience or to play that song is, you know, through ownership, right? So you can't, well once you own it uh, based on i don't know whatever license you buy or something like that then you can do what you want with it and that brings us around to this so kevin smith has said that he's quite excited about the idea of nfts and he is selling kilroy was here to one buyer so this isn't a mass distribution buy kevin smith this isn't like you know you basically rent the film or or buy the film and that's your copy he is selling the entire thing to the highest bidder and with that they can either you know and he's gone on record and said this they can either keep the film for themselves so they are the only person in the world that has it until they want to sell it on or they can distribute the film Mm. so this could be the way that a distributor you know and ends up buying the film and then you know, from there, it's just normal, right? They just yeah. put it out normally. Or you could see it like we've seen a couple of times in the music world where someone very rich comes in and buys an album, or in this case, buys a film, and they're the only person that has it. And, you know, no one else ever gets to see it. That is quite controversial, I think, because to me, film especially or any art in my opinion but film especially should be seen by as many people as possible i'm not sure how on board i am with the idea of one person buying this and just keeping it yeah keeping it for themselves and and own it outright i i don't know i just think that's a little bit of a disservice to everyone involved as well is like not being able to see the work they put in but in uh, you you kind of well I, i would hope that in that situation if if they you know if they intend to not distribute it somehow 
and you would hope that Kevin Smith would reserve the right to um, have a copy of the film that he can show for himself and friends and family or something. No, I don't think so. Well, oh, well yeah, probably for like friends and family, mm. but in terms of like public exhibition. Oh, no, he wouldn't have it. No, no, no which, which is interesting, man. I mean, you know, it's funny because, you know, a few months ago when I really read into this and they started doing the rounds, I think it was after Grimes released the collection. I put a tweet out and I said, you know, how long until this comes into the film world? Is this the future of, I thought, film financing? Like, could you, in a like in the Kickstarter way, right, of like you go and finance the film by people investing in the film and then they get to see it? Well, what if now you've done that as ownership? So you say, okay, here's this NFT of, you know, this new film I'm going to make, you know, whatever. And you buy in advance you you kind of like pre-buy it in advance but loads of people can buy it and then when we make it you now all have digital copies of it which you you own that copy that is your copy to to own and if you now want to sell that on on the blockchain you can so you could you could invest in getting this film made but you could also make money by selling it on and you know for shorts i guess that is kind of you I, I doubt there's a lot of profit in that but for feature films there could be a decent bit of profit in that right because based on like yep. the success of that feature film being able to sell copies that are on if it was only available as an nft there's no dvd there's no blu-rays there's no the only way to see that film is by purchasing the nft and the other thing is like you can limit to this to whatever you want it can be unlimited or and again, this is just my understanding. I could be wrong on this, but I, I believe you can do what you want with it. So the creator can, like Kevin Smith has shows, one, there is one NFT, and whoever buys that can do whatever they want with it. Mm. Or there's a hundred. A hundred people can own it. Or it's unlimited, right? For the but I, I believe it's only sold for a certain amount of time. Yeah. So I believe that like let I'm not sure what the I don't know if you can decide on that, but for argument's sake, let's say 72 hours. So you can you can buy this NFT for 72 hours, and then after that, no more NFTs will ever be produced for, you know, the, the whatever yeah. that product is. I don't know, man. I mean... It's just it's still a very strange, very yeah. strange concept to me. Yeah. Like if, if I take it back to art, if I'm a digital artist, let's say I draw a, a house, and I then sell it as an NFT, it's not mine anymore... And yet I've still got it on my computer. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's, I just got to get it. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw in maybe a slightly controversial angle. Yeah. Um, yeah do it. This is no disrespect to Kevin Smith, but if I were a cynic and I'm not saying that I am, his recent films haven't been massive successes. Could he no, be going no. down this route because he doesn't have confidence that he'll find a distributor for his film? Possibly. Possibly. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Kevin Smith has always kind of been on, in in all honesty, what he probably does do even better than, than making films is he's kind of at the forefront of distribution in a lot of ways, as in, yeah, you know, he is probably the most famous overnight success story, right? He yep. went to, he made clerks on a bunch of credit cards with a bunch of friends in the convenience story worked and then he took it to Sundance and sold it to you know who for a, for a bunch of money um and then years and years later he made was it 
I think it was Red State, where, again, he took it to Sundance. And then during what should have been the bidding for the film at Sundance, he announced that he had purchased it himself. So he had purchased it himself, and now he would be taking it on a kind of like roadshow tour where every night he would sell tickets where you would get to watch the film and then also there'd be a QA and a afterwards. And, you know, he'd done that in quite a few countries across the world and then I think arranged distribution after that. So, yeah. you know, he's always kind of been at the forefront of these ideas of, okay, how do you kind of change the game a little bit? And then people try and follow him afterwards. And I think the fact that he's done this before anyone else, that doesn't surprise me too much, but I think you might be right. His latest films haven't been that much to success. Mm. So... I don't know. It would be, yeah. I. It's weird because we're not even talking about the film. We're not even talking about the film because. Yeah. And this is why I said yeah. it's not something we usually talk about because it's purely the I distribution mean, side of it. I mean, you know, and just to bring it back around, the film is a is a comedy horror film. He's made yes, some very is, strange yeah. uh, comedy horror films. I mean, yeah. but yeah. to to be fair to him, you know, he makes the films he wants to make. You know, not, not yeah, which not, I do. Well, I don't know why I sounded like a Brooklyn. He makes the films he wants to make. I don't know why I added the extra S's, but do you know what I mean? He, he makes the films for himself. Yeah, he does, what, yeah. he, what he sees is what he makes, and he's uh, doing something quite innovative here. All you can do is applaud that. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's the right decision, time will tell. It's going to be interesting, I'm, I'm, man. I'm uh, you know, really cautious about the whole thing until I, probably because I don't understand it properly. But... Yeah, yeah. So I, what I will say, uh, just to end it, is. Uh, I will link the official trailer. There is a trailer that actually came out a little while ago, a couple of months ago, um, this on Kevin Smith's official YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, it looks all right. It's kind of like an anthology film, different stories. I think they might come together or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it looks okay. Usual Kevin Smith players, Jason Mewes, Chris Jericho is in it. It was in his last film, his daughter, obviously, isn't it? So, yeah, usual players, if you like Kevin Smith stuff, you probably are going to like this, especially if you've stayed through the not-so-successful films. I would like to see it, you know, just touching on the film. Yeah, of course I would. I, you know, I kind of like some of it. I really like Red State. I quite like Tusk. I'd be interested to see what he does. Tusk was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, very weird. Man. I've got, I, I quite I, liked I like it as well. Yeah, Michael Parks just, you can't go wrong with Michael Parks. He's an absolute legend. Yeah, I'm interested to see where this goes. But yeah, the reason I mainly wanted to bring this up was could we be seeing the change in distribution here? Is this the way people are going to... And I think more so than... You know, we're talking Kevin Smith. He's a very, very famous filmmaker. But I think this could play into the hands of indie filmmakers a little bit more. Be interesting, man. Be interesting to see... Yeah what they do with this you know this kind of i think selling a product and making it very exclusive is very very popular in the last few years you know only certain people being able to have the you know a good few years ago when uh i was in la there was this tiny tiny little clothes shop and there was a queue down the block Cute, like longest queue I've ever seen for a clothes shop. And I had no idea what it was. And it was the brand Supreme, which, you know, fucking loads of people wear Supreme and hugely popular brand. And one of the things they done, which was really, really successful is 
you literally had to queue to get in their shops. They would only let they would have a fucking bouncer on the door, and they would only let certain people in at a time. So they made it this like exclusive thing, right? It's like this exclusive club to get in. And you know, if you see someone wearing a Supreme T-shirt, you know, especially one that's sold at one of these like exclusive events, then you know they were part of this like weird exclusive mm. club in a way. Yeah, I kind of, you know, we've seen that bleed into art a little bit. We've seen that bleed into music with um, secret gigs and stuff like that. And, you know, where all of a sudden this surprise gig happens and it's like, oh, okay, no one knew that was happening. But you get to tell the story of this rare gig that you saw. Yeah, are we now seeing it come into film? And is this the way it's coming into film? Possibly. It Possibly could be, not. yeah, and this is this is the very beginning. So, you know, it's, it's excited if nothing else. Yeah, that's let's end it there. That's that's ultimately why I brought it up. I think it, regardless of controversy, and I think there is some controversy involved in this. Yeah, I think uh, it is quite exciting, isn't it? It's quite mm, exciting yeah, to see I where this could so. go, man. In the next couple of years, but it could be like you know the next generation. You know, it could be a strange concept to them. Uh, that the film isn't distributed that way. Yeah, yeah. And also this, uh, I know I just said we're in there, but could this also be the new, like, collectible for, for you know, people that consider themselves real film fans, right? Like, we all, instead of just having it streaming, we go out and buy the Blu-ray because we want the special features, or we buy a special edition because it's got some special edition artwork, or, you know, I'm a real sucker for that shit, I'll admit it. Is this the new way of doing it? I bet that? there's films you've got about four times, Scott. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Def- the Universal Monster stuff, man. I, I've got, like, I've got loads of it. I've got uh, a box set that's in a coffin. I've got uh, steel books with Alex Ross artwork. Man, I've yeah, of course I'm. I'm a sucker. Ain't got for that an shit. NFT code yet, though, have you? Not yet. Oh, anyway. I will have. I will have. <laughs> Fucking come on, Universal. Pull your finger out. But, but is that thing. is that the future? Everyone's gonna be everyone's gonna be watching this, aren't they? Yeah, of course the they industry, are. Yeah. How how's this gonna play out? Who's gonna yeah. make the first move? Is this the future of? Maybe you don't do the uh, do a Kevin Smith and sell the whole film. Let's say you, let's say right. So for argument's sake. We make Walking Against the Rain. We put Walking Against the Rain out. It comes out in theaters, right? Or DVD or VOD, whatever, right? But people get to see it just in general, like usual. But if you want a copy of that film, instead of that being DVD or Blu-ray, or you want a special edition version of that film with the deleted scenes, maybe an alternative ending, you know, maybe some art by a famous artist, you buy the NFT. I think you should do it. Right? Is that and, you and you limit it. you limit it? There's only two hundred and fifty copies. Not two hundred and fifty. Not the be all and end all. Just no. just a very just, specific. Yeah. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah. want it, here it is. Yeah. And you know, and it's if you want it, you, you go and buy it, right? And it's all. How yeah, about I mean, could be an interesting, NFT dude. Where all dialogue is done with a Welsh accent. You know. Why not? If you want it, Why you not? can buy it. <laughs> Why not? South African, South African. The whole film is redubbed with a South the hardest African accent. accent known to man. Go on. I can't do it. Oh, cannot do a South African. I tried. Oh, I thought you were like. I no, were... I end up sounding like a cross between someone from Newcastle via Mumbai or something. I can't do it at all. 
I thought you were building us up there. No, you were God, no. I cannot do South African <laughs> at all. Right. That is where we're ending it. I promise. That is where we're ending it. <laughs> Moving on. Right. This is, oh, God. Right. Creepy we're link getting, of the week. We're getting the meat out. God damn, Chris. Do you like Garfield and do you like lasagna? I love lasagna. <laughs> I, I do like Garfield. I haven't watched Garfield in donkey's years. But yes, as a kid, I very much like Garfield. I was a big fan of Garfield. I'm a huge lasagna fan. And you may have just ruined all of that. Not me, Scott. Not no, me. not you. Yeah, um, not you. Go on, Chris. Introduce it. Creepy. So as, as I said, when I sent this over to you, I, I really wasn't planning on doing yet another Meat Canyon this quickly. But he's just released this. It's his latest video. And it's fantastic. In my opinion, we'll wait and see what you think about it. But it's a take on uh, Garfield. It's called Lasagna. Scott, what did you think? This is... This is something, man. This did not go the way I thought this was going to go. I was expecting uh, like a really twisted looking Garfield. I wasn't what it is. I wasn't right. That's exactly. And and this is the thing. This might be the shortest segment we've ever recorded on the creepy link. No, I don't want to give anything away, anything away. But this was not what I was expecting. The. uh, Right. I'm I'm. I'm not saying anything about Garfield. I'm not. I, I'm just not saying it because when you listen to this, you need to click that link and you need to watch this like I did, not knowing anything about Garfield. What I will say is, once again, the dude's production, the way he sets stuff up, the the creepy factor is through the roof, man. The way it and this ain't giving anything away because this is literally the very start of the thing but the the way he flips between the what looks like you know traditional garfield animation yeah that was really cool wasn't it yeah Yeah, and he's animation style because that was the weird thing when it starts i'm like it looks this is different yeah this is different this is like a normal cartoon this isn't his style oh no we get there like, we get to his style, and that's part of the fucking story he sets up, man. Dude, like, yeah, this is killer. Do you know this what? Is, this could what? be the creepiest. Did, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, do, do you know what yeah. did it for me? I mean, because on the face of it, it's, it's, it's what he does. But what did it for me was, it's not too much of a stretch to think this could happen. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's not that. Oh, do you know? Right, I can't. I can't give it away because there's nothing supernatural in it. No, there's nothing supernatural, so, but it reminds me. I I do think there's some influences there, but again, I don't want to say them on air because it then might give away what yeah. happened in, in this thing. So this is what I'll say. Well, when we finish recording, Chris, I'll talk to you about it. But yeah, okay, after you guys and girls out there and you listen to this podcast if you want to engage with us and you know have a proper discussion about let's let's do it on twitter right let's just let's get a dialogue down about what really i i think the influences are here and there is one of my favorite extreme horror films of all time i think is an influence on this yeah dude this is this is the creepiest one he's ever done, right? That we've watched. 
Yeah, I is mean, there one that's creepier? There's like some outrageous ones. There's I some mean, outrageous ones, but is there any that are really? I don't know. I mean, the other one that I found really creepy. Um, the, I mean, the ones that we've we've done on here, they've all been creepy for different reasons. Yeah, like that's um, that's true. We did Secret Formula that had kind of sexual overtones to it with the SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh yeah, that, yeah. Um, the Teletubbies. Well, one, that's the one. Like this the Teletubbies one. That was yeah. that was awful in a, in a yeah. good way. The Teletubbies one is probably the one that would go toe and toe with this. Is yeah, the creepiest in in my opinion. But watch them back to back. Oh, do it, <laughs> do it. Yeah, no, seriously, guys, check this one out. It is going to creep the hell out of you, especially if you have some form of history with Garfield. And then, yeah, come and engage with us on Twitter. Let's um, yeah, let's get a dialogue down about it because oh, this is something. It, I, I might email him and say, look, come on our podcast because. Oh, mate, I would you? love it. I would love it. Like, I would love it. Let's, what's, let's try and first question. Up. What's wrong with you? Yeah, what's wrong with you? What, 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 what happened to you as a child? Were you not hugged enough? Were you hugged <laughs> yeah. too much? Did you grow up in the woods in like a, like a lonely cabin? Oh, yeah, no, gosh. dude. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's try and get that going. I think people would love that. Let's try and yeah, get. Man, yeah, let's try and get Saint Gamwin. That'd be awesome. All right, dude. Let's cut it there. You have outdone yourself again. Thank you. Like really, I, know I say that a lot, but this one, fuck me, you did. <laughs> like this, this got me. This really, <laughs> really got me. All right, dude, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me once again. Everyone that's listening to this, whether it be YouTube or Spotify, Anchor, Google, wherever you pick up your podcast, thank you so much for continuing to support us. And until next week, Horror Helms, stay very, very safe. Cheers, guys. Bye.